Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Unsafe Space. I'm your co-host, Carter Learn, and I'm joined as normal by Carrie Smith. Say hi, Carrie. There she is. Hi, Carter. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, we have a bit of an impromptu interview today. We have the opportunity to speak with Gabriel Wrench, and uh, we're going to bring him on the show in just a second. Gabriel is a Latay County Commission candidate, and he was arrested yesterday and charged with not social distancing uh, because... Actually, in the city of Moscow, which I'm not making up, there's a city of Moscow in the United States and uh, charging people with not social distancing. So welcome to America. Um, uh, but he was arrested at a Palm Sing. I think there was about 150 people there. And, or Psalm Sing. I'm sorry, I said Palm. Uh, a Psalm Sing, about 150 people there. He was arrested for not social distancing. Uh, Gabriel is a media and marketing consultant, co-founder of the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network, and one of the hosts of Cross Politics Show and podcast, uh, which airs on DirecTV streaming and in, on podcasts. The Cross Politics Show, uh, which is about Christ over politics, mixes the taboo formula of faith, culture, and politics in order to bring clarity uh, of the gospel into the muddled America. Uh, the show has interviewed notable presidential candidates, including Senator Ted Cruz and Dr. Ben Carson, political cultural leaders Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro, and social figures including Alveda King. Um, Cross Politics show airs on uh, NRB TV and DirecTV primetime on Friday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific, and it streams live every Sunday night on YouTube and Facebook at 7 p.m. Pacific, uh, and the podcast drops on Wednesday and Monday mornings. He also serves as a deacon at his church, which is Christ Church, and on various nonprofit boards. Uh, he lives on a small 10-acre farm with his wife, three children, a couple of horses, one dog, and two outdoor cats. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter at gm wrench that's r-e-n-c-h and on facebook at g wrench we'll put the links to those below and you can follow cross politic on facebook and twitter at cross politic and we will again put those links below long introduction but uh gabriel thank you for joining us today on unsafe space thank you for having me i need to update that bio i almost fell asleep it's just maybe you're just very impressive and you've got a long resume and it all needs to be there. That, that's fine. I even edited it, by the way. That's not even the full bio. <laughs> no, I need to update it big time. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. My, uh, uh, my wife, Carrie, uh, my wife, Annie, oh my gosh, uh, likes uh, Carrie and likes y'all show and has uh, had a lot of fun listening to y'all show. So we originally found out about you guys. And I don't know. I don't know five months ago or something. So it's a pleasure oh, to be on wow. the show. Well, thank you. I was, I was, uh, I found out about you last night because I saw these videos going around of you being arrested and of two other worshipers with you being arrested. And there's something about the juxtaposition of the police officers making the arrests but the calmness and the serenity of your crowd, of your fellow worshipers, and it's, it's, I think it's very moving to watch. So before you tell us a little bit about what happened, for anyone who hasn't seen it, could we play one of those videos, Carter? Yes, I will do my technical best to play a video now for you. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, 
There you have it. I'm just not Yeah. You got? Can you guys hear me now? You, yeah. You back? All right. Yeah, we're back. There you go. Did that work? Everyone saw it and heard it. Yeah. Yeah. So Gabe, tell us a little bit. I've been doing I've been doing a lot of research since last night. I found out about your show Cross Politic, which looks amazing. Um, I think that there are a lot of people in our audience who are probably gonna are already in your audience or may be interested in listening to your show. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and the events that led up to yesterday? Yeah, uh, the short of it, uh, you know, um, I, I, I was actually born in the great promised land of Texas, and now I live in Idaho over a couple states, you know, a couple states later I'm in Idaho. Uh, I came here to finish my school at University of Idaho, which is um, Moscow. It's Moscow and in Latah County. Um, uh, and so I came here to go to University of Idaho in 2002, graduated in 2005. I married my wife the same year I graduated. Um, she's pretty much a local here, grew up here pretty much all her life, and now we we got a um, three fun kids. My kids. When I came home last night, so I was in uh, uh, jail for about two hours. I got home about nine o'clock at night, and my kids are in bed, and they're supposed to be in bed by eight thirty, and they're pretty good at falling asleep, but they couldn't. They couldn't fall asleep. They had to wait for daddy because they had been in jail. And my my wife told me that when when uh, she told our kids that I was in jail, my oldest said, "Well, can I ride our horses right now then?" Because <laughs> I wasn't coming home. <laughs> my second. My, my second one said, this is stupid. And then my third, my son, my young son, uh, he's my six-year-old. He said, if I was a cop, I would punch those cops in the nose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyways, I host a, a cost politic uh, TV show and uh, podcast. And it's, uh, you know, I, we started this two, uh, four years ago with my buddies, uh, Chuck Knox and Pastor Toby, because the church doesn't address politics. The church doesn't speak about it. And so we wanted to start a show, a conversation that specifically discipled Christians on how to think about politics, everything all the way down to, you know, uh, what happened last week in the, in the latest news or what happened in Kentucky. So we started that. Uh, God's been kind. It's, it's blown up. Um, and uh, I think the cops accidentally arrested the wrong person yesterday. Yeah. You think it was an accident? Well, I, I believe in the sovereignty of God. I don't think anything's ultimately a random uh, accident like an atheist would. But, um, ah, touche, touche. <laughs> <laughs> well, just so, just to be and, clear, uh, I don't think it was an accident either, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you have an exception. That's great. And so, well, what happened, I'll just kind of go through the story of what happened. So this, this resolution's actually been around since January, uh, July 2nd. Uh, and the resolution is if you can't social distance, you need to wear a mask. So if you can't be six arbitrary, six feet apart, you have to wear a mask. And so we've actually done a number of these Psalm things uh, throughout um, July and August. I think just a couple here and there just to, um, to keep kind of trying to uh, push things and claim the center on, on the issue. And on set, uh, last Monday night, they voted, our council uh, voted to extend the order through January 5th. Uh, it, it's just unbelievable. The mask and mandate. So, the mask mandate, that's correct. The resolution till January 5th. And so what happened was, and, and that night, city council, overwhelmingly, for the hours of comments and testimony, everyone was against it. Only two people in the hours of testimony and comments were for the resolution. So they weren't listening to the people of Moscow. 
Uh, and, and so they extended the resolution through January 5th. And secondly, uh, uh, there's just so much to talk about. I'm probably getting jumping ahead here, but there's no pandemic here in our county. No one's died from this, and there's been no hospitalizations, zero hospitalizations. Our local hospital is virtue signaling with a tent that's been set up since this whole pandemic's been going on. There's still a tent in the parking lot at our wow. hospital. And no, no hospitalizations from this. And, and so the science and the eyes that the people, the eyeballs that people are looking at through all this is just, it's insane what's going on. So um, they extended the re- resolution through January 5th. And then uh, the next morning, this is Tuesday morning. So the, the, uh, our Psalm thing was on Wednesday, Tuesday morning. I emailed our, our chief of police. I have a relationship with them. Uh, I've had, we've actually had him on our show. I've been into his office to talk about various issues. Uh, he's a good Christian man. And I emailed him Tuesday morning and I said, this is, this is your Daniel moment to protect the citizens from tyranny. Your job is to protect the citizens. Your job is to serve the citizens, not the mayor. And we have constitutional rights that you need to be protecting, that you swore to protect. And, and, I, and I said, this is your Daniel moment. Don't be like Peter, the apostle Peter, and run away when Christ is being sacrificed. And, uh, and so that was my Tuesday email, not knowing, again, that not knowing, I mean, we, I mean, we, I mean, no, I didn't even know the Psalm thing was going to happen yet that morning. So we coordinate the Psalm thing on Tuesday. Everyone gathers at the city hall on Moscow city hall. It's just a, there's a big parking lot next to city hall, uh, to sing Psalms, uh, sing three, three songs and end with the doxology. So really sing four songs. And so we all start gathering around on Tuesday night at four forty-five. I just came from a meeting. I'm walking up. And everyone's starting to get close together. The cops tell my pastor, who is leading the psalm thing, the cops tell my pastor that if uh, people don't social distance or wear a mask, then they could be cited and or arrested. So my pastor relayed that before he started singing psalms. He's like, hey, everybody, the cops just told me this is what they're going to do. You know, you know, do it at your own risk. Do what you do. What you, do get, you know, do what your conscience tells you to do right here. And no one really... Uh, social distance. No one really, no one really moved. People didn't really spread out. <laughs> it was kind of a funny moment. And, um, uh, and so I was, I the- noticed they had, um, circles paint. I'm sorry to interrupt. They, in the video, maybe it's the one of you being arrested or it might've been that one. I saw circles painted on the ground. Did you guys do that or did they do those? So the last couple, uh, months, the city council meetings have been pretty, um, uh, intense. A lot of people have been showing up. And so they painted those dots, uh, in the parking lot so people could social distance and, and the cops could write tickets if people weren't social distancing or wearing masks. And so it was kind of an, an objective way for them to prove that they could write a ticket. And right. so they did that for originally for the city council meetings. And, and so when we got there, obviously they were already on the pavement and, but they had booted all the cars out of the parking lot and put signs up. So cars couldn't drive in the parking lot. So they had prepared for us uh, to come and sing Psalms in the parking lot. And so on Wednesday, we all gather around. I was the closest on the edge of the crowd to the cops. And so it was just easy. So this is where it wasn't, it was random in one sense where they, they just walked up to me cause I was just the closest to them. And so they weren't singling me out in that sense. Uh, and so the cops came up to me, actually came up to my mom first, who was standing next to me. And the cop asked my mom, is it, are you with this gentleman? My mom said, yes, this is my son. And, and so I immediately put my hand, my arm around, uh, my, my buddy Tyler. And I said, but this is my friend. And <laughs> so when I did that, that's when they said, can I see your driver's license? 
I said, officer, you don't need to do this. And he said, please, please provide your driver's license. I said, officer, you, you know better. You know this isn't right. You don't need to do this. And he said, again, please, please provide your ID. And I said, officer, I, I have a constitutional right to worship without you infringing on my rights. And he said to me, he's like, he's like, look, I don't, I don't want to arrest you. And I said, uh, then don't. I should, what I should have said is like, well, hey, join us in psalm singing then. Join, join me. Uh, but I didn't. I should have said that. Uh, but, uh, and then so uh, he asked me again for proof of identification um, to provide identification because he wanted to write me a citation uh, for disobeying the mask order and social distancing order. And I said, officer, you don't need to do this, man. And he said, he said, I'm asking you one more time and, and uh, I'm, I'm going to arrest you. So he asked me one more time. And I, again, just repeated the same stuff and he arrested me. And as he was arresting me, my, my, all these people, it wasn't just my church. There's more people beyond my church. Obviously my church dominated the crowd, but um, my people behind me basically were singing Psalm 20, this glorious version of uh, uh, Psalm 20. And, uh, and so I'm getting arrested. You hear the clicks of the, uh, handcuffs on, on me and, and the singing is just glorious. And, and then the chief of police is right behind the arresting officer. And I look at him and I said, this was your Daniel moment. Yeah. And, uh, pretty, you know, pretty powerful moment there. And so they walked me off. Uh, they walked me to the patrol car, which is probably about 60 feet or 70 feet away from the crowd. Um, all the cameras follow me. I mean, there's so many multiple camera angles of everything that happened. All the cameras follow me over there. Um, I tell the I tell the camera guys, don't get arrested. Just keep filming. Um, and then my brother walks over. <laughs> you probably saw this video. My brother walks into the scene. My brother's always late by the way, wherever he goes. So this is <laughs> the perfect timing for him. And he, he walks over and he says, this is bullshit officers. This is unbelievable. And just starts going off. Uh, on the officers, uh, my pastor, my associate pastor was walking up at the same time as officers were taking me over to the car. My associate pastor starts getting into the police officers like, this is unconstitutional. You know better. You need to be living with your conscience, not believing these lies. I mean, just my past is glorious. Like last, I don't know if you guys saw my stream last night, but one of my buddies brought up in the stream that, you know, what a beautiful pastor who's there defending his, his, uh, you know, congregation as he's getting arrested and not leaving you um, you know, like the apostle Peter did. And yeah. so you guys can interrupt me anytime. I'll keep going. I've got a quick so, question actually, before we continue. I mean, why is there a presumption please. that you have an ID? This is the United States of America. You're not required to carry your papers with you when you are around. What was, what's the justification for arresting you for, for not having an ID? What, I don't understand this. Well, basically resisting arrest. So by saying you're not giving your ID, that's resisting arrest. That's convenient. Wow. So I, yeah. I, well, I never even said I wasn't going to give my ID. I never acknowledged the question. All I said was, officer, you don't need to be doing this. Right. So I never even acknowledged if I had an ID or not. He didn't even know if I had an ID or not. I just ignored the question because it was wrong from the, I wasn't even going to entertain that process. Right. And have you spoken with the chief of police since then? Uh, no, I'm definitely waiting for a call uh, of apology for sure keep waiting i think uh do you think that's gonna a call of apology is likely um uh it, it eventually will um and once the court cases all run through it, it it will be i think it'll be likely but um uh, right now uh i mean i would be surprised because one of the things that's driving all this is the pride of our city council and our mayor the arrogance of them to mandate such a petty legislation. And so when you challenge that petty legislation, 
well, you aren't obeying your civil authorities. And so what happens is pride kicks in because you need to make sure that people submit. And so, um, I think, uh, uh, eventually it wants the pride kind of calms down. Once the arrogance kind of goes out of the room, uh, I think I'll get some apologies. I have, I have a question about the, about that, about the town, the city council, the mayor. Um, well, first an observation I saw on your feed that the mayor who is supporting this mask mandate being extended through January himself recently this month presided over a wedding without a mask. Yeah. I saw the photo yeah. of him. Yeah. Um, so is- part of the problem here is whenever you create this kind of tyrannical petty legislation, it's actually kind of hard to enforce. And, and so it becomes very partial uh, it becomes very arbitrary in how you enforce it. it, it it's, it's just, it, it's bad governance is really what it kind of goes down to when you create these kind of petty tyrannical laws. And, and then obviously the mayor doesn't, he, he, through his actions, he doesn't really believe we're in a pandemic. Else he would be wearing a mask. He was at a party on September 2nd with more than 50 people there, not social distancing, not wearing a mask. So he doesn't really believe we're in a pandemic. He doesn't really believe mask work even by his own actions but uh and and then of course you have the added added thing that he's happy to enforce and create a law where it's he has one standard for his citizens and another standard for himself i mean he shut down our economy on march 20th he created a resolution telling our businesses to shut down all our local businesses to shut down we lost over 2000 jobs due to his shutdown here on march 20th it's, it was, it's, it's unbelievable. And while my, he tells my buddy, who's a restaurant owner in downtown to shut down, you can't provide for your wife. You can't provide for your employees. You can't provide for your family. And then he has the gall to keep his own tax funded paycheck. That's uh, Jesus has all sorts of words for guys like this. You create one standard for people, for the sheep. And then you yourself, you Pharisee go off and have another standard. It's absolutely atrocious. And our, our governor of Idaho did the same thing. I mean, how many, how many, you're in California. Uh, I mean, how many, how many standards have they created for the people and yet they themselves refuse? I mean, you've got Nancy Pelosi hair, hair salon gal who, mm-hmm. who says, who blames the setup. She blames, I was set up. Right. Oh, the hair goodness, salon. It was a sting operation. The hair fault. salon was, was trying to get her. Yeah. Well, you yeah. gotta, you gotta understand though, this is the purpose of, um, this is the purpose of laws, right? The purpose of what one way that tyrants or want to want to be tyrants in the case of your town, I would say the mayor is like an aspiring tyrant. Uh, one one way that they can do this is you if you have so many laws that at any one time all of the citizens are violating, everyone's violating something, then you can just arrest people that you don't like for political reasons, whatever, yeah. um, because. Uh, there's no expectation that you arrest everyone, and there's always some justified reason for it. Uh, and I think we're we're at a point now where we've traded so much liberty for security, and we've allowed so many laws to encroach, even our local laws all over the country. That basically, at any given moment, anyone can be arrested for anything. You just have to get on the wrong side of the police officers or the mayor. You're probably disobeying five laws right now. Right. I mean, that's, this, you're exactly right. This is what tyranny does: is it, it puts everybody on constant, some sort of, you know, potential house arrest every day. And, and we, we need to, I mean, our government, oh, I'm in a conservative state, bro. I'm in the state of Idaho. We're, that. you know, we're 70%, we're 70% Republican. Right. So I just recently did a, uh, I was lucky. I got to do a road trip for the past month and 
I visited Wyoming, Colorado, Montana, Idaho. Idaho, out of every state I went to, was the most normal. And I went up to Priest Lake, and they nobody was wearing masks. It was I couldn't tell coronavirus had happened. Plus, Idaho has one of the lowest infection rates. And so when I heard this was in Idaho, I was a little shocked. Why do you think this, what is it about your town, about Moscow, that makes this something that could happen there compared to the the sort of lax atmosphere I felt in the rest of the state? That's a, that's a great question. Uh, what is, uh, so the odd thing about Idaho, like I said, is pretty much 70% Republican. Uh, I live in a university town. And in a university town, it's dominated by liberals. And so I am Lataw County, and there's one other county in the state of Idaho that tends to vote Democrat in presidential races. And I live in one of the two counties that do that in Idaho. So we are a liberal city. The city of Moscow is liberal. The county's not. So um, I'm good for, uh, I'm bad for liberals. I'm good for the county kind of thing. Uh, the county actually is super supportive of, of all this. And actually, I can't tell you how many locals um, have uh, changed their mind or have been kind of won over through this whole process. And so I, I pray that God is, is changing uh, our county, changing our city. And, uh, but that's the dynamic of what's going on is that um, we're, we're in a university town. And, and so our mayor, um, who's uh, probably some sort of fiscally, roughly conservative uh, sort of, I mean, he's a liberal. He really is. Um, but he, he has done some good things for businesses. Um, and sometimes liberals can do that and it's surprising. Uh, and our, our city council overwhelmingly is, is liberal in all this. And I've had exchanges with some of the city council who disagree with the mayor, but will not speak publicly. And we just, so we got, we really have, uh, cowards in leadership, uh, in, in our city council. So, um, but is what it is. So that's, that's why I think we're experiencing some of these weird moments with masks and social distancing is because it's being driven by liberals and actually not by true conservatism. Although our governor, who's a conservative governor, he shut down the economy and uh, had like stage one, stage two, stage three kind of things. And I think one of the stages he required to wear a mask in that stage. And obviously he's been touting wearing a mask uh, throughout the state. But you go to northern Idaho. So um, I'm an hour and a half from Spokane, Coeur d'Alene, uh, north. So you go north to Spokane, Coeur d'Alene from here. Uh, but you, once you get to Coeur d'Alene and above, I mean, it is free country up there. They are, That's what I saw. yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing that, uh, one lesson here that I think I would really like conservatives to learn, or at least maybe get some education on this is I, something that gives me heartburn is to see the people on the right who, um, because the left is saying ridiculous things like, all cops are bastards and defund the police. And like, they're saying outlandish things. Um, the right, the right tends to, um, be unquestionably supportive of law enforcement. And if you value your liberties, it's law enforcement that will enforce those laws against you. And unless you've got law enforcement who will stand up and not be the Peter to use your metaphor, um, then and and to be the David, then uh, then really the cops aren't the friends that you think they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's uh, there's more background to the story. Uh, what happened was um, the mayor's resolution took effect back in July second. So you had to wear a mask or social distance starting in July second. Well, there was um, at least one Black Lives Matter 
or protest. I think possibly up to three that happened after July. I don't remember all the timing of the three Black Lives Matters protests, but um, at least one happened after July 2nd and they didn't social distance and they didn't, and some of them weren't wearing masks. And, and so they, they were, you know, got away. They were happy to, to do that. But what happened, so my black co-host, uh, Chocolate Knox, his wife called the, our chief of police. While this pressure, this Black Lives Matter Marxist pressure was going on in our town, and she said, you do not, and she left a message because he, he, he didn't answer. She said, you do not apologize. You do not apologize to Black Lives Matter. You have nothing to apologize for. You're a great police chief. You know, just went down the list on this voicemail with, with our chief of police. And then um, he never called her back because what he did was he got gifts and went to her house and gave her and the kids gifts. And then he wanted to do a photo op with her a freaking photo op because he wanted to show, Hey, look, I got black, I got black support in my town. And then, and, and, and then he has the nerve to, uh, you know, show up to my church exercising our first amendment rights while we supported them through black lives matter. We were there for the police. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're the bad guys. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest you because you aren't social distancing and uh, you aren't wearing a mask and you're worshiping God. Oh, you're exercising your First Amendment rights. It's it's pretty crazy. And as I was, I, also, I, haven't, I haven't gone through the whole. Go ahead. Also, just how condescending because she was offering her heartfelt support, and then for someone to turn that into, can I use you uh, because of your race, <laughs> is really condescending. <laughs> it's like. Um, or would you ask me this if I were white? I I don't know. Like, would he have asked for the photo op? I just that stuff grosses me out because then you just make the it's like the relationship becomes awkward and you're being used. Like that's yeah. bizarre. Anyway, that's just well, my thought Knox, on that. Knox, yeah, Knox told his wife, "Don't do the photo op." So they, yeah. they, she did not. She did not do the photo op. Yeah. So uh, did you try? When the cops were coming to arrest you, did you try thrusting your fist into the air and yelling Black Lives Matter and see if that made a difference? <laughs> well, if I was holding a Molotov cocktail, I might have been okay. Or shot, if I shot a cop, I, I might have gotten away with it. Yeah. See, you're just, I, you, you don't know how to worship properly, man. That's all it is. You, you're not saying the right words. Yeah. Man, you're becoming a Christian, Carter. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> Carter is very friendly. Carter, I don't know if you know this, but is on record on our show saying that. He would rather live in a Christian theocracy than a Marxist one. Oh, yeah. I stand that by right? that. Absolutely. I stand by it. I mean, who, who the hell would? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When, when, when um, uh, oftentimes, uh, not Carter, but atheists, when I get in debate with them, they start making fun of Leviticus. How much more would I rather be under Leviticus right now than, than the petty, tyrannical Levitical laws that we're under under our mayor? Right. It's a Levitical law. Don't worry. You, you, got, you must wear a mask. And the petty law, our the Bible's law, God's law is is good. Our laws are tyrannical. Our laws are petty. Our laws are arbitrary. There's a logic to God's law. So how we have course, absolutely. Let me ask you a question about um, your church and your background, and because one of the things that impressed me about the video, aside from the peace that I felt watching it of everyone continuing to sing, was the the crowd. The size of the crowd was amazing and i felt this is a good this is an example of a church that and i know not everyone in the crowd was from your church but this is an example of in my opinion a church that's alive 
And what is, why is it that you think, I expected at the beginning of, especially the lockdown orders where they were not allowing churches to have services in some states, and in some states they're still not allowing people to get together and worship. Um, I expected to see more civil disobedience, peaceful protests from Christians, and I'm a pretty new Christian. I just assumed that I would see people pushing back against that. And I've seen it in isolated cases, in your case being one of them. But why do you think it is that a lot of Christian, a lot of churches are complying? There's, there's so much layers to this, to this question. Ultimately, our pastors are cowards, and so they don't lead well. But what has happened is, is the church has been compromising for about a century and a half now, or maybe even longer. The church, especially this last century, you can see all the compromises. Now, there might be some disagreement here um, on this, but I think it's biblical, and I'm glad to back this up, but I'll just, I'm just going to make the statements and walk through it. Uh, you know, w- uh, the church was allowing women in the pulpits long before we were putting our women in F-14 fighter pilot cockpits, you know, F-15s kind of thing. The church was allowing divorce to happen in the church long before, long before homosexuality was getting a grip on our culture and our society. The church was kicking kids out of worship service uh, you know, we had, we'd create a, a secondary worship service for little children. Hey, you, mom and dad are going to do real church here. You go over here and do fake church. And, and so the kids were being kicked out of worship long before kids were being boarded in their mother's wombs. So we taught the world every step of the way, how to rebel against God. And that's why we have no moral courage to actually stand up. Now, secondly, um, related to this, the church does not disciple and teach the Bible. The church is embarrassed of certain verses. You can you can go, uh, Carter. You know this. Oh, absolutely. You, you yeah. I'm, I'm not verses. disagreeing with anything you've said so far. So, yeah. No, I know. I know. I'm 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 just agreeing that I know that you know that I know what you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and so the the church is embarrassed of of chunks and sections of the Bible. And and I think all of God's word is beautiful. All of God's word is good. And it, yeah, is there? Um, do we need to learn how to maybe? Uh, understand it better or, 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 but, but the first thing is I believe it. I believe every single verse you put before me, I believe it. Now I need to understand it in context and I need to be able to inter- um, uh, interpret it well uh, and rightly and faithful to the, and faithful to the, uh, to the, to the text. But I'm not embarrassed of, of any of, of, of the Bible. Uh, it, but what's related to this is the church has not taught. So um, this is at the heart of the issue here. The Bible, God gave us three forms of government. Okay, there's the church government, there's the family government, and there's the civil government. They're all created by God in scriptures. The, the civil government you see in Romans 13, the family government you see in Ephesians 5 and Genesis chapter 1, the church government you see in Matthew 18, you, you know, you see in the book of Acts, you see this church government being created, you see Acts chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, so God created these three governments. And if you look at them, you know, basically each government has orders from God. So the church reports to God, the, the civil government reports to God, and the family government reports to God. God defined the, the, the civil government, God gave the definition. God created the government, and the definition of the civil government is that they're responsible to keep the peace and exercise the sword, right? Keep the peace, exercise the sword. It's fine, it's basic, the family government, the definition of the family government, they're responsible, I'm responsible, me and my wife are responsible for the health, education, and welfare of my family. Now, everyone thinks when I say that, they think, oh, the government's responsible for that, health, education, and welfare. We got departments named that. No, it's the family that's responsible for the health, education, and welfare of their kids, of their family, of their mom and dad who are, who are getting older and retiring. It's the family. Uh, the the um, church's responsibility 
they're, they're responsible to preach the gospel, to administer the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper, and to, uh, 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 and to uh, follow through with church discipline. So we have, the church has its own form of discipline. You know, I, 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 uh, a man cheats on his wife, and if he doesn't repent, he deserves to be excommunicated. He deserves to be kicked out of the church. So if we don't define those three governments biblically, then you're going to get chaos. You're going to get family feudal governmental systems that we've had in the past. You're going to get tyranny, that uh, tyranny that we have here right now from our civil government. You're going to get uh, ecclesiastical governments that start meddling in the civil government's affairs. We, you, you can you can think of you know historical moments where all these governments got went cattywampus, and so it, the the God defined government's roles, family, civil, church roles. He defined them well, and he defined them narrowly. And once you um, get outside of that, it's just a slippery slope down from there. And Carter, that, that's actually, I think, a really good argument for why you should be a Christian. Well, actually, e- even <laughs> though we know where we disagree here, uh, I was actually thinking about where I agree with that. Um, and for the yeah. other atheists that are watching or in chat, um, I, I actually... I. I basically agree with you with what you just said in the sense that um for me you've got for me it's not the church but there's there's philosophy which is teach which is teaching how to live what is right and wrong it's it controls your actual objective morality and like what what you can and can't do moral wise like moral wise how to live your life it's morality um and the right way to think about family and government is as kind of like subordinate to that in some sense. Like, okay, well, the government needs to do things, but it's not in control of philosophy. The government's not, it's, it's got a very limited scope. It, it needs to basically kind of what you said, kind of keep the peace, okay? Like there's very limited, very limited scope that you want from an, an institution. And then in your family, obviously, there's a different way that you need to be, um, you know, you don't just, the non-aggression principle, for example, isn't sufficient to be a parent, like there's there's more you have to do. There's there's like you're raising children and it's a more complex. In fact, families function, frankly, a little bit more like socialism where there's shared property and there's shared responsibility. And like it's, you know, you don't want free market families. That's not a way to run a family unit. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. like there are different domains. And I and I agree that once you trash what's happened in, in the West, at least as we've trashed the church, I mean, we, we've become very secular. We've trashed the church. Uh, my argument is we should replace it with something, but we haven't. So that that's the part where we disagree. But I will agree. We've trashed the church. We've trashed that uh, moral foundation. And therefore, all that moral stuff starts to bleed into the other. The government starts to take over responsibilities that it shouldn't. And be and people lean on it to answer questions of right or wrong. They they don't know how to run their own families. In fact, the family starts to disintegrate and and disappear because there's no clear reason why the family is structured the way it is because it's not based on anything. Um, and so yeah. I kind of agree with what you're saying other than the fact that I'm an atheist. <laughs> <laughs> Small minor point. Well, I'll just, I, here's where I'll yeah, here's I, I like you, Carter. You're a good man. Uh, uh, just the one challenge for you in all this, and the one challenge for atheists in general is, I, you can sign off to a morality, or you have you have opinions about morality, but you can't account for it, the truth of morality. You can't you can't account for it. Um, you know where does morality what, come what, what from? What do you mean by account world? for? It? I just don't. I'm not trying to be an ass. I actually don't understand what you mean by account. No, no. No, uh, I, I, you can please. Uh, I'll never think of you as being asked when you challenge me. So feel feel free. Um, 
what I mean by how do you account for it? How do you come up with the foundation of what, of where morality comes from? Does that make sense? Oh yeah. And so Dennis Prager's done, uh, I actually did a video in response to Dennis Prager about this particular argument. So, uh, yeah. And I, I, as an atheist, uh, I don't see Christianity as any more or less of an arbitrary assertion than anything else. Um, and my answer to that very broadly is, uh, the purpose of philosophy is to teach man how to live on earth. And if you accept that as the purpose, and if you accept that as the as human flourishing being your goal, if you don't want to accept human flourishing being your goal, and you Who don't said? accept that the philosophy Who is said? that, then that's okay. You can yeah. you can go off and be evil. But if you if those are your acceptance, you actually can get you can derive very similar uh, you can derive very similar ethical and moral rules. Uh, but for me, the problem isn't solved by someone saying God said this is the list of rules. That's not that's not objective to me. That's just separately arbitrary. That's where we disagree. You, are you asking Gabe how he defines what's good and evil? Well, um, he's he, well. That was one of my one of my responses in all this is you, you throw out these um, words, but I'm like, where does the definition come from? Where does the definition of evil come from? Right. Well, I mean, the definition of evil needs to come from uh, you need to define what is good and you need to have a standard. And the question to ask, which is the correct question, is what is the standard? Um, and I think there is some point with um, in philosophy where you do have to make a choice. And I think it's the very beginning of philosophy when you're asking yourself, what's the purpose of this this field? We have a branch of study. We're going to study a certain thing. What are we going to study? We're going to study how man should live on earth. Like, what's the best way for man to live on earth? And that's a that's a fine answer. Um, you could have a psychopath that's like, I'm not going to study that. I'm going to study how man can suffer on earth, and I'm going to derive a whole ethical system based on that. And you end up with Stalin, right? But um, yeah, but, you know, but you're willing to force your morality on on that other guy who doesn't believe in your morality. I'm failing to force it on him. Yeah, you're, you're willing. willing. You're willing to. Uh, well, I'm I'm totally willing to defend myself against people who have anti-life moralities and are willing to use force against me. So, uh, like, my goal isn't to convert you're, the entire world to to have an ethical moral system. If people want to be evil, horrible communists based on my morality, uh, I'm not going to stop them necessarily unless they're bothering me or unless I think they're a threat. In which case, uh, if I can justify uh, in, in self-defense, the use of force, then, then absolutely I will. But I don't, I don't need to go out and convert them if they want to have, I mean, they're going to, it's not going to fail. Ultimately, if their morality is not based on human flourishing, they will fail in the end because we're human and we need to flourish. So they lose in the long run. Can I, can I interject for a second? Yeah. Uh, I think, by the way, this is interesting because Carter and I were joking recently about how um, atheists and Christians, a lot of atheists and Christians have become very united in the culture wars. So we don't have time to argue amongst ourselves anymore. Right. I like that we're creating space for that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, I think the, the nature of what you guys are talking about as an observer now watching this conversation, are, there are some Christians who believe, and maybe I, I don't want to speak for you, Gabe, that, um, that, that athe even an atheist, definition of what is good and evil is derived from Christianity and derived from God. And I think atheists would claim that 
Christianity is just one system of belief and there are many other systems of belief which have the same, you can derive that system, you can derive that same definition, you can arrive at that same definition of how man should best live and what is good and evil without being a believer in God. I think that's what an atheist would say, but maybe, is this the disagreement we're having? Okay. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. Go ahead, Gabriel. I would add. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll just add in all this. Um, uh, I have presuppositions. Carter has presuppositions. Atheists have presuppositions. You know, Christians have presuppositions. And that's, that's where the, that's the bottom line of this conversation. So Carter's presupposition is humanism. Carter's presupposition is says man invents morality. Man comes up, man looks at the world and uses his eyes to come up with the best system of morality that makes that allows for human flourishing. So it's a, it's a made up morality. And, and my presupposition is that God created the heavens and the earth that God created everything and that all truth is derived from God. Um, and, and so the argument goes to, okay, well, uh, is Carter's presupposition is, you know, well, we evolved over millions and millions of years and somehow chaos turned into order, which is, um, against genetic entropy against entropy. It's a, it's a, it's a scientific impossibility in Carter's world in a, in a, a evolutionary world for uh, disorder to turn into order over time. And then we're all, and then inside of that, all we are is chemicals. You know, um, a monkey's just, pl- pl- you know, plasma, plasma, you know, protoplasm. Uh, we're all chemicals. And so why does one chemical get to tell the other chemical what to do in an atheistic worldview? Well, it ends up becoming uh, the majority rules or su- some sort of survival of the fittest or some sort of, you know, uh, might makes right morality. That's, that's what happens in Carter's world. And in the Christian world, you actually have a morality that's driven from a one source, one truth. It's not driven from millions of different subjective human beings trying to make up a morality, but you have this morality that comes from a God who created the heavens and earth. It's logical. It's systematic. It's in, in it protects the vulnerable and it's there for the vulnerable uh, the women uh, over centuries have been delivered from oppression because of the Christian faith. It, over time, you look at you take you look at a map of the universe. You roll it out, and you look wherever the gospel has gone. That nation became a first world nation over time. Wherever the Christian gospel has gone, there was a thriving economy that was created, and, and and freedom became more and more. I mean, the history of the world is a struggle to be free from sin, to be free from slavery. Every civilization had slavery or has slavery. Every civilization has oppression or had oppression. Every civilization and where the gospel has gone, it has largely absolved those problems and created on top of that a thriving economy. And, and so I'm getting past our conversation a little bit to bring it back. Um, presupposition of what you presuppose is true. Either evolutionary science is true or the God of this world is true. And so you, if you once you pre, figure out what your presupposition is, then that's where I think we can really have the conversation, the debate, because all, ultimately this, this comes down to the question, why and who are you? Yeah, I, I don't want to get into a huge Christianity argument, but you're misrepresenting. Those are not my presuppositions. Evolution is not necessary uh, to be an atheist at all. I don't care if evolution is true. It's irrelevant. Uh, I think it is based on the scientific evidence, but I could be wrong. And if you're an expert on evolution and want to debate me on that, I don't care. I'll concede. That's fine. Um, so I, those are not the presuppositions. Um, and it's not 
Just because people disagree on something doesn't mean it's moral relativism. I still think there is a correct answer. Just like if I say the earth is round, there can still be flat earth people. They're just wrong. Um, will I use force to convince them that the earth is round? No. If they're going to shoot me because they believe the earth is, earth is flat, then yes, I will defend myself against them. But so long as they're gonna have their beliefs over in the corner, I don't have a need to do anything to them, nor do I have the right to do anything to them. Um, but just to be clear, my presuppositions are a reality, objective reality exists and reason is the primary tool of survival for man. That's it, those are my presuppositions. The end, nothing else. Doesn't require evolution, doesn't require anything else. And I believe that Christianity and all other religions are not philosophical. They are a book with a list of rules that are contradictory were not derived philosophically, they don't use reason as their basis of argument, and they are, adapt they are adopted as if sacred truth and clearly interpreted differently by many people throughout the world. And to me, the argument for Christianity is no different than the argument for Islam. It's no different than the argument for Buddhism. It's no different for the argument for Zeus. All of those characters were written in books a long time ago by people, and that is not objective morality. That it's not, it's not objective to be able to say, I, I'm pointing to this book, I've made up a being who's objective, therefore only my reality is objective, or only my rules are objective. Your rules are no more objective than mine, and I would say they are less objective than mine because they are arbitrary. And mine can be debated, yours can't. Well, you just contradicted yourself because you said there are no objective rules or objective morality that you can point to, and you're, you're making an objective statement. No, I'm saying there I'm are. Saying, I'm saying you can derive, just like science. I would say it's objectively true that the Earth is not flat, right? Um, and you can derive that. You can you can come to those conclusions. And I think you can do the same for morality. I think mostly atheists have failed to do that throughout history. And I think um, most of the people who attacked God did so for uh, really horrible reasons and for political reasons and because they were either nihilists or sadists. And so we're kind of left with a mess philosophically after the destruction of the church. But I do not believe that uh, that that doesn't mean that uh, you can't derive using reason uh, an ethical system, which, by the way, ends up in individual rights in a pretty yeah. American is, way. Is, is reason objective? Is reason objective? Who defines what reason is or what good reason is? Well, that's the beauty about reason. Reason is a process and a tool which is verified by its correspondence to reality, right? So we have a mechanism in our brain uh, that makes a model of the world. It's fallible because if it was infallible, uh, we wouldn't have any problems, right? So clearly it's fallible. Uh, we do make mistakes. Um, and the way that we check it and the way that we have conversations between each other and verify who's right and who's wrong is by appealing to reality. Um, and so if I argue that, the war that gravity exists and someone else argues that it doesn't, well, we need to do some experiments. I need to demonstrate my argument that gravity exists. And ultimately, reality is the arbiter between the two of us. Um, so reason is that faculty that which doesn't allow for internal contradictions in a system and doesn't allow for contradictions between reality and your thought process. And we all have contradictions, but reason's there to help root us out, root them out. Um, and you, if you're debating with someone who's rational, can then I, you yeah. can root those out together. Can I interject again? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, thank you, Gabe, for giving us the most contentious episode since Carter and I argued about merchandise. By the way, I'm and... loving this. I'm not like angry at you. This we don't have. We don't talk no. about this normally. No. Yeah, no, no. I love it. I love it. 
But uh, but seriously, I was like, oh, this is actually getting unsafe. We haven't had a real unsafe discussion in a while since the merchandise debacle. Um, so I, I I did want to interject for me. It's interesting hearing you guys discuss this because I haven't heard people have this conversation in a while. And I haven't had it since I became Christian. Well, maybe once. But um, I kind of... I get to a point where I, I don't uh, – I, I think there are different ways of knowing. And we talked about this in the interview. That is a presupposition we that we disagree on, yeah. Right. Carter and I disagree on that. I think there are different ways of knowing. And I think – for example, monkeys, ba- baby monkeys – I've heard Jordan Peterson talk about this. They will react to a snake even the first time they see a snake. It's inborn in them. Now, I know atheists will say, but that's DNA and that they've been – you know. Uh, programmed to with their DNA to react to a snake and to be afraid of a snake even though they've never seen one and they don't know what it is but but I think that's a different way of knowing and I think there are ways of knowing I think there are spiritual ways of knowing there's a way that I have of knowing about God that I can't explain with reason so so I usually I guess don't get into this argument because I I know that Carter doesn't agree. I, I know that we agree on the reason. We agree on reason, but we don't agree on the spiritual way of knowing something uh, that maybe people might also, you could compare it to, if you're not a Christian, you could compare it to having, if you believe in intuition, for example, or trusting your gut about something. Like I know people who are not Christian who have who also believe in other ways of knowing. Um, so I, I have a, I'm at a loss when I hear conversations like this because I don't usually... I can't reason someone into a belief in God. I guess I'd put it that way, or at least I don't think I can. So I'm, I don't know where I'm going with this. I don't have a question other than I think it's interesting to watch you guys talk about this, and I'll go back to being quiet and let you. No, I mean, look, I don't have actually a need to convince you or even – I just – I can get riled up when people who aren't atheists and don't understand the philosophy uh, or my philosophy tell me all the things that I believe. Like, you assume evolution. You assume this. You don't have that. These aren't ideas that I haven't thought about. Um, I've spent, I've been an atheist for 25 years. I was a devout Christian for my entire upbringing, um, right and through about the age of 25. So uh, it's not like it's not like I haven't thought of these things. It's not like you know a Dennis Prager video about objective rules need to come from God is going to sway me. It's a cool conversation, but I like I yeah. do feel the need to defend when there's just like stuff thrown out that's like this is what you believe it that's not what i believe and i that's all i just want to make that clear yeah well you did say you did believe in evolution i said what you did say you believe in evolution oh i i do think evolution i'm believe in evolution seems to be a theory that makes a lot of sense to me what i've read it seems to work my arguments for being an atheist which i actually don't think are necessary because i think atheism is the default position uh but my arguments for being an atheist don't rest upon uh, evolution being true or not. If it turns out that aliens right. came down through 3,000 years ago and magically planted everything on Earth and, like, okay. I guess I guess my question about this, Carter, would be, since we're d- doing this, um, <laughs> if we're just – if we're just uh, – I had this moment a few years ago. This is at the beginning of God pulling me back to him where I started to become consumed with the question of whether or not we have souls or are we just a computer brain and a physical body? Or as you say, Gabe, a monkey or a cell, right? Chemicals. And, and I don't believe that we are, I don't believe we're just a a computer brain and a physical body, but if we were, if that's all we are, I don't understand how, 
how a computer brain and physical body comes to a sense of comes to a sense of morality either through reason. I just because reason might tell me that murdering my neighbor is is actually the most reasonable thing to do based on the circumstances. No, it wouldn't. You don't think so, Corey? No, because that, look, <laughs> reason isn't just this tool. You're confusing reason with rationalization. Um, reason isn't just like, I want something, therefore I can come up with a reason to do it. Reason is a, a much more fundamental tool than that. And if you want ethics, you have to get to ethics from reason. And then you got to live by those ethics. You can't just reason your way in any like random circumstance you're in. You have to be like, no, I've I've reasoned a system of ethics based on based on uh, based on human flourishing based based on what what man needs to survive on Earth and it turns out uh, if you do that that individual rights fall out of that every individual has the right to life and you actually have you can't if you you can't act it's in unethical for you to act against someone else's right to life and that becomes a hard line that you won't cross because that's the ethic that you've derived using reason um, it, you can't just I think a lot of people say, well, there's no reason, there's no way to do this. The two main reasons I see for people saying there's no way that reason can give them this is one, uh, <laughs> the communists claimed reason, uh, which is ridiculous. And so <laughs> they were like, this is the rational system. So of course you would be afraid of rational systems because uh, communism is horrific uh, and they claimed reason. Um, and the other thing is I, I think people don't really... Uh, I, people think it's at odds with emotion in some way, and the reason and emotion aren't odds. I, I agree that there is a way of knowing, a way of knowing emotionally, but the information that it's giving you is only about your internal state. It's not giving you information about the outside world. It's giving you information about your internal state, and you have an apparatus whereby that internal state may reflect something about the external world. It may not. It depends on a lot of a lot of things about. It depends on a lot of your composition, what your experiences are, whatever how valid that feeling is with, with relation to the external world. But it is information about reality, but it's not information that can be used to convince me of something. Saying I feel X is not a reason that someone else should ever take for why X must be true. But, but when you reason, it's, it's just a chemical process in your brain that's coming up with these calculations. All you are is just a developed, you're a developed a uh, chemical explosion that happened mil millions of years ago. And then those chemicals have formed Carter and then Carter's chemicals in his brain um, tells him that, Hey, there's, there's reason, but all, all it is is just chemicals that are firing in your brain to say that there's this thing called reason. It's, you well, can't wait, point I didn't to it. Deny you can't free touch will. No science. Are you saying Pardon that I'm denying, I'm, I'm not a determinist just because I, just because there may, <laughs> let's assume that I believe in the big bang also don't know. Uh, but I, like, I know I'm here and it seems pretty clear that I've got free will because I'm having this conversation in the way I want. Like, it seems pretty clear I've free, I'm, I'm, I can accept free will axiomatically uh, and like, okay. Uh, and frankly, nothing in science demonstrates that we don't have free will. So, okay. Uh, I don't have to deny free will. Yes, I'm made of chemicals, but I, I but, still have but science, you can't scientifically You can't scientifically demonstrate reason. All, all you can do is say that the chemicals in my brain that fired this way created the concept and the idea of reason. Reason's not objective. Reason, you can't touch it. You can't feel it. You can't do a scientific experiment to discover reason. Well, reason, reason is, is something the experiment. that Carter's, Carter's chemicals in his brain has made up. No, re reason is the experiment. Reason is the method by which you, you, you 
there you see if your premises correspond to reality and whether there's internal contradictions. And if, if you didn't accept that on some level, we couldn't even have a conversation. Like you use reason every day for 98% of your life yeah. all the time, at least, um, because you don't oh, walk out the third floor of a building and expect to not fall. You, you do use your rational mind and it works very well for almost all of your life. It, it, it's only happening. So, so here's, here's one of the, I think, um, uh, adjust this conversation just a little bit. Sure. Everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. No. Now, let me, now before, before, um, yeah, um, just give me a second to flush yeah, this yeah, out for a second. Uh, and, um, uh, and I don't mind you interrupting, so I'm not trying to say don't interrupt. Uh, I just, just give me a second so you can see where I'm going. Um, faith is the most basic human faculty that we all use. And uh, for example, you trust your own eyeballs and what they're processing out in the world. And when someone's faith is broken or, uh, off it, we all know that when the crazy person walks outside and says it's raining and it's not raining and you can see that it's not raining. Well, he, he's, his fact, his faith faculty is broken, not his eyeballs. He can see, he can see the words on the page, everything he's, his faith is broken. And, and so that's what, uh, so the most basic faculty for you uh, you absolutely have faith in yourself to say that reason's true. You can't see reason. You can't touch reason. You can't feel reason. And you say it's true. And, and But I don't no, know where I, you're getting these flaws of reason from. All I know, but you're, you're able to say this because you, you have faith in your ears to hear, your eyes to see, and your brain to be able to process things. And you trust yourself above everything else. No. So first of all, reason's only necessary because I'm fallible. If my perceptions were perfect, I wouldn't need reason. Um, so if, if I could, if I could perceive reality perfectly, I wouldn't need reason. Um, so reason is there because I don't always trust the conclusions that I come to and, and reason's a method for verifying those. And I, 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 before I even argue with this, I don't know what you mean by faith. So I, I'm about to argue, but I realize we could be talking over each other. So can you define faith sure. before I even try? All I'm saying is, is the definition of faith I'm working with uh, in this area is just the, the fact that you trust your senses above all else. You have a trusting relationship between the, what you feel, what you taste, what you see, what you hear, and that that's what's true. Everyone, everyone knows the person who's broken, who thinks they're seeing something or believes something that's not true or taste something. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, when your sense when you have a breakdown of your ability to trust your own senses that, that what's broken there is trust and faith. Now, sometimes there can be a scientific connection to it for sure. You can't touch because you have some sort of condition where you can't feel anything or whatever. Right. But I'm, what I'm getting at there is that the most basic operating faculty in our minds is faith. We trust our eyes when we see it's not raining. We trust our eyes when we see a tree is there. And there's even times where you, you know, you wake up in the middle of the night, you rub your eyes and you're like, is someone there or not? You, you think you see someone, you know, it, what you're doing is you're trusting how you're processing the world and thinking that, okay, my, what, how I see things, what I just saw happen is true because I believe myself. So I'm, that's how I'm using faith as like a, a faculty that is, is what processes your senses. Okay. Well, I, I think I, that's not how I would use faith. So it's hard to have a conversation. Um, I, but I would say faith is the belief or trust in something apart from reason. So uh, apart from evidence and reason, because I do trust that my eyes work, but that's because 
they seem to be. But I don't, if I take my glasses off and I'm not sure what something says in the distance, I've actually used reason to figure out I might not trust that because my eyes Repeat don't the work very well. So Repeat the definition of, of, of it, faith. It, it's the belief or trust in something apart from reason and evidence, right? Because if we, um, if we use reason and evidence me, to trust evidence something. Reason. Give, me, give me evidence for reason. Physical evidence. Give me the physical evidence for reason. So reason is a method, right? Reason is a method whereby you, uh, I mean, the, the fun, I mean Aristotle, right? The, the fundamental observation. There are premises upon which reason is based. One of those premises is that is is uh, Aristotle calls it A is A. It's that objective reality exists and thing is what it is. Like that's one of the fundamental premises. There's corollaries, which is that effects have causes. Um, and by the way, a is it's a thing is what it is in a certain respect at a certain time. It's, it's very rigorous. Um, but so there are, there are those premises, but I think if you state those premises to people, um, they're, they're pretty axiomatic, they're pretty obvious. And they're actually premises that you can't ever deny because in the denial of those premises, you must accept them. So you can start you're, from there. You're making and, a circular argument here. When no? I, when I ask you to give me evidence for reason, what you're doing is you're giving me reasons for reasons. Well, no, so I'm I trying say, to explain what reason, reason is because you, you're asking reason, for evidence for a method. Like you, I, I, you're yeah, asking. And, like, and you're, all you're doing, you're using a circular argument saying, I'm going to give you a reasons for reason. I'm going to give you reasons for methods. I'm going to give you a method for method. I think he's trying no, to No, I'm define. trying to explain what reason is because you're saying, give me, I can't touch it. Therefore, give me evidence. Like you give me evidence for reason all the time. Every time you wake up and, and don't do something insane and rely on science and technology, like you're constantly giving evidence for reason. Reason is all it is, is a method of eradicating internal contradictions and eradicating contradictions between your mental model and the physical world. It's, it's, a, it's a correspondence model to the physical world. It's a method. That's all reason is. So can I, who, can defines, I... Who, defines, who defines what a contradiction is? Who, t who tells me what a contradiction is? Well, is my iPhone the same as a cup of ice cream in the same respect and at the same time? I would say that's a contradiction. That That's what a contradiction is. It's, it's, it's definition. Can I jump in here? Can I ask yeah, a question? Yeah. Just yeah. to back it up since we're defining terms and trying to make sure we're not speaking past each other. <laughs> uh, somebody in chat, little ragamuffin said... Um, Faith is, I'm going to paraphrase her, but she said, faith is when your spouse comes home and kisses you and tells you they love you and you have faith that they do. And you have belief in this thing. It, it, okay, Carter, but let me give you another definition. Somebody else in chat said, I'm faith. with Carter on that one. I'm with Carter on that okay. one. <laughs> <laughs> so, somebody else says, faith is a belief in things unseen, or the Bible says faith is a belief in things unseen. I'm going to give you my definition of faith. By the way, by the way that, that, second one, faith, that second one is a layman's definition of what I said, right? The okay. belief in things unseen is, is, a, is a kind of a layman's way to say believing something without evidence or reason for believing it. So faith right. to and me... You believe in reason which you can't see. You believe the, in reason which you can't see. I, why is wait, it wait, belief? Wait, wait, you the, can't the, see me, belief. I mean, can I can I turn just, this argument back around. You can't see belief. So can prove I just belief. Wait, wait. No, I'm, I'm, I'm arguing that faith is the most basic faculty. Believing in something, I'm arguing that it is the most basic faculty. You, you um, believe, you don't have, you can't see reason. You, you kind of give a definition of faith as things that you can't see. And I'm saying you can't see reason. And so you have faith in reason. No, I, I could say that about perception. Perception is the most basic faculty. I perceive things and um, I'm able to, call this thing a tree, this blob of shapes a tree. That's my most basic faculty. 
like yeah. I could say that, right? Oh. I could say perception is more basic than faith. Um, but well, faith and reason are both cognitive. Like we use those words moment. to describe how we reach conclusions, and reason is used to describe conclusions that we reach through correspondence to reality and and elimination of contradiction. And faith is used for words that we believe or for things that we believe apart from reason. Like that's that's why we have those words. So I, I don't right. I don't and really I'm, understand why I'm you can just throw out like I'm using, we need faith. Uh, all I'm doing is I'm using definitions that you we've agreed upon. So we say faith is belief in something that we can't see. And then I'm saying is you can't see reason. No, so you have faith in reason. No, I said that I said that that construction was a layman's definition of, of faith, but that the correct definition of faith that I was using was belief in something apart from evidence and reason. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. Right. So right, but you don't have evidence for reason. That's why, that's why I'm using that definition against you because oh, you don't even have evidence for reason. You don't have objective evidence for reason. All You can't see reason. And so that's why I'm just saying, real ultimately, you have faith in reason, which I don't have a problem with that statement. No, I, I don't I, have a problem with No, I don't because – no, I don't because what I would say is why – so that the question then becomes why reason? Like why is it reason that, it, that faith needs to be apart from, right? And – and to define reason, I couldn't use reason to define reason. That would be circular, right? So I would have to say, okay, well, why reason? And I would have to say, well, reason because objective reality. And if you don't accept objective reality, if you don't accept like A is A, a thing is what it is, if you don't accept those axioms, which through your behavior and, and, and life you must accept in order to survive, but you don't, if, if you explicitly say you're not going to accept them in a conversation, then Yes, reason will fall apart at that point, but you also can't live that way. So you must accept me, them by living. Let me help you out here. Uh, you, the only way you can show me what reason is is by giving me reasons. There's no, no other way. No, reason, there is another you, way. You only have a circular argument. No, you can't. You're using your reason to tell me what reason is. You're, you're sitting you there must use reason to make an argument against reason. You're trying to use reason. You're trying to reason me out of reason. You understand that, right? <laughs> Are you, are you reasoning with me right now? I'm, a, I'm attempting to reason with you generally in this conversation, but you're, what you're trying to do is say, I'm going to give you arguments based on non, you're trying to make non-contradictory arguments that I assume you claim are correspondent to reality and don't contradict reality either. So you're trying to use reason to make an argument why I should abandon reason, like reason's not the thing, but you're using, you're relying on reason to try and make this argument. Can I? Yeah, you have to rely on reason to show me reason. Um, but uh, we can, okay. we should right. put this up. Then no, no, I, I would agree. Hold on. If we're going to say that, I'll agree with you because you do need to rely. So this is why it's called an axiom philosophically. You must rely on A as A in order to even open your mouth and speak words to try and convince everyone else. Like you must rely on A as A. I don't call that faith because faith is kind of a, a separate from objective reality, right? It's separate from reasons and evidence. Axiom is kind of the starting point for reason. That axiom is the starting point for reason. So faith yeah. is, a, is by definitionally, faith is, is a belief that doesn't, that like is outside of that system, right? That sounds, that sounds reasonable. Okay. I think we have to go. I make, <laughs> All right, Touche, you win that one. Thing. That was good. That wait, sounds wait. reasonable. <laughs> I, have to get this, I have to get this argument in on behalf of faith. Just let me, just uh -oh. let me close this. Okay. So I have... God has been teaching me lessons in faith and faith for me is a behavior. It's an action and it is not reasonable sometimes. 
I have found that when I trust what I want to do, I guess Carter would say it is reasonable because I found that when I trust what I want to do, things get really screwed up sometimes. When I do what God wants me to do and, and I and I take that act of faith and I trust God, which is very, very hard for me because it's not, it doesn't seem rational sometimes. Why would you want me to break up with this person? That doesn't make any sense. Why would you want me to quit my job without something to, to back me up yet, without something else waiting? Why would you want me to do this? But I'm gonna trust you, I'm gonna take that act of faith. And every single time I have done it, God was right and God was there to to catch me. This is this is just me saying from my experience. I'd if I listened to reason, I wouldn't have done those things. <laughs> I would have screwed up. <laughs> I would have gone my way. So I okay. just that's me. That's yeah, all. I got I got I got two minutes and I literally okay, gotta go. Okay, okay. Uh, 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 Carter can get the last word here. No, it's okay. Um, it's so all I'll good. wrap up. But uh, so uh, we get. As a Christian, we get all our definitions from the Bible. So the Bible tells us what faith is. I don't want to import my own definitions into what God has told me. And that's, that's basic one-on-one to be Christian. So, so God tells me what faith is. And at the same time, uh, faith doesn't contradict logic. I mean, Jesus, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The Word, their Word, is logos. It, it, it is a, uh, a philosophical, uh, logical uh, you know, so God and Jesus embodies logic. And so logic doesn't contradict faith. Every, like I've, as I've been arguing, everyone has faith, atheist or not. Um, so I, we look to the scriptures to gain wisdom and understanding for how to process. Well, it may, maybe you should leave your boyfriend because you're sleeping with him. Okay. That's why you leave your boyfriend. Or maybe you leave your boyfriend because he's not um, going to marry you. Or he's going to be, la- or he's a lazy dude, or he's not going to provide for you and your family when, when if you guys get married. It, it, you think through it wisely, like God has given us. So that's how I would answer that question. I, I want to look to the scriptures. I want to be saturated in the scriptures so I know how to logically reason um, from uh, how God has constructed the world. I don't want to be cutting against the grain. I want to be cutting with the grain. So I mean, thank you guys. So much for having me on. I would love Carter. Seriously, man, love to come back on. I, I love. I do this all day. I love arguing, and I really appreciate your your you're absolutely reasonable, and you're not emotional. You're all the good things. I'm emotional. Say. I'm totally emotional, and you're that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> emotional you have no idea thank you gabe for your time i know you're very busy um again just tell people where they can follow you online and we're going to put it in the comments as well in the description yeah yeah my website is crosspolitik.com crosspolitik.com and you can follow me on twitter uh facebook uh gm wrench um or uh, just google gabriel wrench and you'll probably also find all sorts of mean stuff about me too which is um yeah you know just have fun google go down that black hole and uh, thank you for, uh, uh, oh, one thing I want to mention, one, one thing I do want to mention, tomorrow we have a psalm sing at um, uh, City Hall here in Moscow at 5 o'clock. We actually have agnostics coming to the psalm sing tomorrow. Uh, we have a group, yeah. So everyone wants to come out and have some fun with us. We, we would love agnostics, atheists, uh, you know, Christians, everyone join us and sing some psalms and have some fun and learn, and learn some new tunes. Well, I just want to, I do want to end by just pointing this out. I have enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it was impassioned. Look, I care about this stuff actually deeply, um, and like, I'm a, I'm a, I'm motivated to have these conversations. And it's fun to have a conversation with someone who's passionate on the other side and uh, wants to spar. So I really appreciate it, and uh, thank you for taking the time to to join us today, Gabriel. 
It's a pleasure, Carter. Every anytime, man. Bye. Take care. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms, at least for now, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to it. For your protection, the following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and marked for cancellation. Please avoid any contact with these individuals. I have calculated a 94.9% .9 chance that their ideas are more contagious than COVID. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Remain calm. The new group of nine people will enforce the Constitution just as well as all previous sets of nine people have done. Computer voice, Curtis. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.